This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. The reminder that no decision is permanent really, really soothed my soul. I think when I was going to to go full time or make any big life decision, if you don't like it, that's okay. You can leave, you can do something else, you can pivot your business, or you can get into entrepreneurship and be like, gosh, you know what? I thought this was going to be better than it actually is. And I hate it. And I want out. And there's nothing wrong with that. There is no right path. It's just the right path for you. dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're going to do two things. First, we're going to be answering a question about the great resignation, as they're calling it, or the return to the workplace. And second, we're going to read our review of the month with my daughter, Zoe, and do a awesome money quiz. All right, let's jump into today's show. I received a question from Jennifer on Instagram at Andy Hill MKM, and here it is. Congratulations for going for your business full time, Andy. I am considering leaving my nine to five and doing my small biz full time too, but I'm nervous about the decision. As a young mother, I've enjoyed the flexibility of working from home with my employer, but that's coming to an end in September. Any advice on how to make this decision? Wow, Jennifer, yeah, thanks for reaching out. This is a big decision, a huge decision that I know a lot of families, a lot of people in general are dealing with this sort of return to work or return to the workplace. So I do love my new entrepreneur life, but there are a lot of things you need to consider before making a leap like this. And since this is such a big decision, I'm bringing in an award-winning career and money expert to help me out with this. So I'm excited to be joined by Tori Dunlap. After saving $100,000 by age 25, Tori quit her corporate job in marketing and founded her first 100K to fight financial inequality by giving women actionable resources to better their money. She's helped over 800,000, probably over a million women now negotiate salary, pay off debt, build savings and invest. Her work has been featured on Good Morning America, the Today Show, New York Times, you name it. She's been there and I'm honored to welcome her back on my podcast today. Welcome to the show, Tori. Thanks for having me, Andy. It's so good to be back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, let's help Jennifer out here because I know you have some experience here, not only with your expertise, but personally. So how can she decide the right path here? Return to work or start a business? Yeah, there is no magical catch-all answer. And you and I have talked about this. We actually went full-time in our businesses around the same time. So we were both kind of side hustling, building our businesses on the side. And then, yeah, I think within a couple months of each other, you and I went full-time the three things that I had kind of going for me were I had money in the bank. I had an emergency fund that was pretty substantial. I had saved my 100K, so I wasn't planning on using it, but I could use it if I needed to. 
And the second thing was I had a business already. I had something that was proven, that was tested. It wasn't just an idea. I had something that was already making me money, that was already established. And the third thing was I had momentum. It was not only a business that was already established, it was already growing. It was, you know, I had just been on Good Morning America. I quit my job three weeks after I was on GMA. So I think that those three things for me felt like as much security as I could get. Because no matter how many ducks you have in a row, taking the leap to entrepreneurship is risky. It's scary. It was by far the riskiest decision I feel like I've made because I grew up with a family that was like financial stability is the number one thing, right? And having that steady paycheck, especially if you're supporting the family, that's huge. Having the health insurance, having potentially the 401k, right? All of these things are comfortable. And for me, it was a very uncomfortable leap to entrepreneurship. But when I did it, I mean, I'm making more money than ever before. I employ now a team of nine women. Like it's a decision I'd make a million times over. So you really have to decide, do you feel like there's as many ducks in a row as, as you can possibly have before you make that leap? I see way too many people want to be an entrepreneur very badly, which is beautiful but they end up kind of sacrificing a lot of their stability in order to grow their business. And I don't want your business to be burdened by trying to support you, if that makes sense. I want you to be able to grow your business at the pace you want, potentially make these kind of riskier, bigger decisions with your business without feeling like, oh, I need this to pay my bills. I need this to support me month over month. So that's kind of a good question to ask yourself is like, do I feel like I can grow this in the way that I want, as opposed to feeling like it is something you're dependent on maybe too early. We are also seeing just as an entire society right now, they're calling it the great resignation, which is everyone quitting their jobs. Potentially, you know, employers are asking folks to come back into work. People are like, I don't want to do that. Or we've kind of had this, this year of a lot of us waking up to the fact that maybe we don't love our jobs as much as we thought. Maybe we do want to work for ourselves. Maybe we don't like the kind of corporate life. So you're not alone in feeling this way. I've talked to many friends who are taking sabbaticals, who are starting businesses, that sort of thing. And it is important that, you know, if you want to be an entrepreneur, that's amazing. Make sure you have as many ducks in a row as you can possibly have before you make that decision to quit, especially because it sounds like you are trying to support a family through that. I'm a single single woman. I don't have kids. I'm not married. That was a decision that pre, pretty much only affected me. No no one was reliant on my income, whether that was, you know, parents that I was financially supporting or children or a spouse. So that's part of your decision too, is, is it's not just your decision. It's, it's your family's decision as well. I really like how you broke down those three sort of ducks in a row. We'll talk them out. So, you know, let's say Jennifer was listening to your advice there and said, well, you know, I don't have a lot of money saved up. You know, what would be a good amount for me to feel comfortable to feel safe for an entrepreneurial leap? You said $100,000. Did that just make you feel comfortable? Was that sort of a rule of thumb you knew? What was the right amount or what would be the right amount for Jennifer? It wasn't really a rule of thumb for me. It was just the 100K goal was separate from the entrepreneurship journey, but it was the kind of safety net that allowed me to do that. In my advice, because I, I work with business coaching clients, when somebody's looking to make that leap, you either have to think, do I have enough money in savings or is my business going to be able to sustain me, right? Because that's really the two things. Are you going to be reliant on the money that's in the bank because you're trying to get this thing up and running? It's not making a lot of money or it's not making any money at first. Or do you feel like you're making a consistent income. For me, that was the, that was the momentum piece that I talked about, right? I not only had money in the bank, I was making money already. I was making actually as much, if not more than my nine to five in my business. And that for me felt comfortable. 
ultimately, I don't know Jennifer personally, right? I don't know what her level of risk is or her risk awareness, right? But that for me made me feel more secure of that consistency. So typically when I'm working with business clients and their business is already up and running, I'll say, try to get to three three to six months of consistent income. If you're doing like 10K in one month and 1K in another month, that's not going to be sustainable, right? If you're consistently doing four or five, six more than that, right? It's enough maybe to sustain you. That's great. You also should figure out what I call your ramen noodle number. That is your actual amount of money that you need in order to keep yourself alive, right? Maybe that's you're not going out to sushi. You're not getting fancy ramen, right? It's like, what is the bare minimum expenses that your business needs to be generating? So for me, my ramen noodle number consists of my rent, my insurance, my groceries, right? For you, it might be, it might be daycare. It might be, you know, rent even larger because you have a larger home, right? So there's different things to think about there. And then keep in mind, right, that if I make as a business owner $5,000 in a month and my ramen noodle number is 3000 I haven't paid my taxes or expenses in my business yet. And I think we overlook this a lot. We go into entrepreneurship. I remember the first time I got a side hustle check, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And my parents at the time were like, yeah, that's a great amount of money, but the IRS is going to take 30 to 40% of that, right? So keep that in mind too. When you get a paycheck, when you get a paycheck from your W-2 job, you've already paid taxes, right? Your taxes have come out of it already. So keep that in mind too is you might have to buy a laptop. You might need some sort of business software. You might even have employees at some point, right? And so you have your expenses. You also have your taxes of your business. And then you have to figure out what's left over. So that's that's something that I wish more people discussed and, and thought about is, again, it's not just the amount of money that your business is making or generating. That's revenue, not necessarily profit or, or money in your pocket. So I always ask business coaching clients to consider, like, how consistent is the income you're making on your business, if any, right? Or how quickly could you scale your business to get to a point where you have consistent income? And what is your ramen noodle number? Like, what is the basic amount of money that you need to be making in order to pay your bills? You know then that your business needs to be doing at least that amount of money plus the amount of money that you're going to pay in taxes and expenses. Yeah, I like this message ever since, you know, making the leap personally. I've never wanted to be part of the quit your nine to five crowd because everything's so much better over here. There's lots of great things as Tori's explaining with the growth that she's had, but there are more difficult things. I mean, what have you experienced, I guess, leaving the nine to five world as sort of the benefits that you left behind? Anything that you miss? Obviously, things are going great, but are there any things that you do miss? Yeah. I mean, I will say, again, I'll make this decision a thousand, thousand times over. I'm making, I actually calculated the other day, like I'm making 50 to like 70 times my like salary. You know, again, I'm like giving women jobs, like we're growing our business. Like it was a hundred percent the right decision for me. But I grew my side hustle for almost four years before I quit, right? And I had, and I'm sure you did too, I probably asked you, like, when are you going to quit your job, right? And, like, I got asked that every day for, like, four years. And I'm really glad I held on as long as I did because, again, I wasn't dependent on the business yet. I wasn't forcing my business to show up for me before it was ready to do so and before, you know, before it was ready to sustain me. For me, we've, we've gotten to a business point where we're making consistent income and, and our revenue is increasing every month. But especially in the early days, it was always kind of like, we'll see, right? That's it kind of is like throwing spaghetti at a wall and hoping it sticks. Right. And so the, the instability for a lot of people can be really challenging of again, maybe one month you're killing it. And one month you're like, Oh gosh, how am I going to make rent this? 
of months, right? And that's part of part of why it is important to not only have that consistent income, but to try to do everything to plan ahead. Where if you know you're going to have a bunch of money in let's say August, and you know, September's not going to do as well, hold some of that in reserves for September, right? So I think especially in the early days for me, it was like, okay, let's see if we can get this moving. Because yeah, you don't have that steady paycheck to rely on every single month. It might be even more than a steady paycheck, it might be even less. Or you know, there's so many times when I've worked with clients who don't pay, forget to pay, it's been 60 days since they should have paid, right? And so you're now more reliant on, on chasing down those people or creating work for yourself. For me, I was, I realized going into entrepreneurship that I was entirely reliant on myself. And that can either be terrifying of going like, Oh my gosh, it's just me. I'm running this whole thing. What if this fails? Right. And for me, it was the exact opposite of like, I can make as much money as I can, right? Like I am entirely reliant on myself and I was confident in my ability to keep, run, grow a business. I think the other part actually that was really challenging that doesn't have anything to do with finances is especially like you and I quit right before COVID happens. I live alone. Like I live by myself. I love people. I love the office environment in a lot of ways. Now I love working from home, but like I loved having the kind of water cooler conversations. I worked at a startup right before I left. Then we had a ping pong table, right? It was like, it was very much a collaborative space. And sometimes I hated that, right? Sometimes I really didn't like that. Most of the times it was just lovely to like be around people who, you know, I could collaborate with and who I could bounce ideas off of and who I could get drinks with after, after work. And, and it's a lot different. It's, you have to, you know, kind of force yourself to create that community as an entrepreneur. And especially again, kind of moving out of COVID, it's, it's something that again, I wish was talked about even more of, of there's so many great parts about entrepreneurship. It can be really isolating, especially to talk to friends who aren't entrepreneurs. You know, I, I feel a lot of pressure, especially now that I'm hiring people, you know, they are dependent on me now for their income. And, and that is an exciting thing, but also kind of terrifying. And also I'm by myself, you know, I'm, I'm working out of, out of my one bedroom apartment by myself. So I think that, you know, you have to decide to do, do the pros outweigh the cons as always. And especially, yeah, there's, there's some corporate things in terms of the financial side, the stability, the potentially like a 401k, 401k match that you might miss. But also I definitely miss sometimes the office environment. I miss talking to people. I miss being able to collaborate in person. And especially, you know, in the last year and a half, that's something that I've realized is really valuable to me. Absolutely. Well, you're growing a team, so you'll have more people to collaborate with, which is fantastic. You know, maybe what we're humming around here, Tori, is that don't hate on the side hustle because this could really be the ramp up opportunity. So obviously Jennifer must be side hustling because she's talking about a small biz right now, but maybe that is the special sauce. What do you think? I would agree. I think you and I both did that pretty well as we were growing it on the side. And and really, our nine to fives were our first investors, right? Like we took the nine to five money that we were making, and that was the investment that we put into the business, right? Or that was the stability that paid our rent. So I could, you know, I remember like killing my best selling products because I knew short term, it would be a bad move for me, but long term, it would be a good business decision. And I wouldn't have been able to do that if I was dependent on that income again. So it gave me a lot more flexibility to, again, not, not be solely reliant on this business before it was ready. So if you are able to side hustle, if that's something that's sustainable for you, amazing. 
and especially, yeah, you can scale it over time. I remember my first two years of running my business, I really didn't make any money. I was just focused on getting clear as to who my customer was, clear as to what I wanted to talk about, and like building trust and credibility with my audience. And that's part of the reason why we've been so successful in growing organically on social media is because I took that time very intentionally to grow, to develop what I wanted to say in the way I wanted to say it to the people I wanted to say it to, right? And I think that, yeah, if you can side hustle, if you're able to do that, there's the whole, again, push around just like, quit your job, quit your job and go for it. And there's two kinds of people. The quit your job and go for it works for some people. It forces them to like hustle and make it happen. I'm not that person. I need, again, I needed all my ducks in a row. I feel like this is a drinking game. Take a shot every time we say ducks in a row. But, um, no, I am, I am the other person where it was like, no, I needed, I needed to have everything that I possibly could planned out and then take the leap. And so, I mean, maybe journal about that. Figure out what kind of person you are. Are you the person that needs to be pushed off the cliff and is going to figure it out? Are you the person that's like, okay, I got my parachute. I got my backup parachute. I got like my hang gliding, you know, that was me. So figuring that out can be really enlightening because a bunch of people are going to give you advice. A bunch of people are going to say, go for it. A bunch of people are going to say, no, don't, don't quit until you have a year's worth of savings or two years. But ultimately, you know yourself best, you know your family's needs best, and you're going to figure out what's going to work for you. Plan as much as you can and then go for it. Yeah, I was going to say I would err on the side of caution, kind of like what Tori and I have done, because the statistics kind of prove that I don't I'm going to butcher the statistic. Probably 90 percent of businesses fail within their first couple of years, something like 95, that. 95. Yeah. There you go. You know it. So with that stat out there, that means there's a lot of risk takers and that's OK. There's nothing wrong with taking a risk. And hopefully that 5 percent, you guys are killing it. But reality strikes, you know, and it's good to be prepared. So I'm with Tori on money in the bank and the trying it out beforehand to obviously prove if it's a viable business, but also trying it out for yourself. Do you want to keep doing this? You can always go back to corporate. Like if you don't like it or you can go back to a nine to five, right? That's what I kept telling myself is like, I would rather, you know, again, cause I had all my tacos in a row. I would rather go for it and potentially, you know, be like, okay, that didn't work out, but it was fun. Then look back and be like, gosh, I should have, I should have just went for it. Again, I'm in a single woman. It's going to impact your family in a different way. I want to fully acknowledge that. But yeah, that was something that I kept reminding myself. I'm, I'm making actually a big decision in my life. I'm going to be packing up my apartment in the next six weeks and starting to digital nomad. And who knows when that's going to end. And I feel terrified. I feel very excited. I feel a little terrified. I'm like, oh gosh, like I don't have like a place that's mine and all my stuff's in storage and I have to give away my 55 plant babies and like what's going to happen, right? And I keep reminding myself, Tori, if you hate it, come back to Seattle and get an apartment, right? Or buy a house. Like you can do that. So I think that the reminder that no decision is permanent really, really like soothed my soul. I think when I was going to to go full time or make any big life decision of like, if you don't like it, that's okay. You can leave, you can do something else. You can pivot your business or yeah, like you said, you can get into entrepreneurship and be like, gosh, you know what? I thought this was going to be better than it actually is. And I hate it. And I want out. And there's nothing wrong with that. There is no right path. It's just the right path for you. And you might be an entrepreneur for five or 10 years and be like, no, I'm good. I'm done. Right. So there's, there's no, there's no decision that's absolutely set in stone permanent. And it's a great thing to put on a resume if you decide to go back to a nine to five of, you know what, I, I did this. I 
learned all of these things and, and I decided it's not for me. That's a hundred percent. Okay. I love this permission to have change and change can be really good for you can be good for your family, but yes, having those ducks in a row. And I just took an invisible drink as we said that (laughs) it could be good to do that as well. So Tori, thank you so much for this advice and thank you for sharing your story. You have a hit podcast called financial feminist. What is it all about? Tell us what it's about and where people can find it. Yeah. So I realized that there wasn't a lot of platforms for women, especially to talk about how money affects us differently. And so I started a podcast called Financial Feminist. We launched the first season in May and we ended up within 72 hours being the number one business podcast in the world, which was absolutely insane. So we're really proud of it. We've had over a million downloads in two months and yeah, go check it out. We do these mini deep dive episodes that are specific around a certain topic that are just me doing like how to increase your credit score, how to start investing. And then we have these hour, hour and a half long conversations with women about these different financial topics, cash bail, multi-level marketing, sustainability. So yeah, I'm really trying to meld these two together. How do we talk about personal finance, but also systemic oppression and, and these different things that impact our money. So really proud of it and would love to have you check it out. It's great for us all to build wealth, but it's even better if we can build wealth and create the change that we want to see in our society. Tori is all about that. So please go check out this hit podcast, 72 Hours Number One. That is awesome. Yes, Financial Feminist and all your favorite podcast players. And we're going to throw this up on YouTube and she'll probably be a big hit there too without (laughs) even throwing up videos. Tori, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Andy, for having me. We'll be back to the show after a quick word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan 
above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. marriagekidsandmoney.com slash tello. Thanks for taking time to consider our sponsors, everyone. Let's jump back into the show. To keep this show running and to help your buddy Andy smile, I'd like to ask you to do one thing to support this show today. Please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts. Those reviews help more people to find this show. So to encourage you to leave a review of the show, each month we do a book giveaway. So we received three reviews since our last book giveaway offer. And this quarter we're going to be giving away three different books from past podcast guests. Mom's Got Money by Kat Alford. Investing for Kids by Allison Tom and Dylan Redling, and The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins. And to help me pick the winner this week, I've got my assistant, Zoe Hill, who I've snagged out of camp to help me. How's it going, baby? Good. Awesome. What did you think about me calling you up out of camp? Was that a good idea? You're about to do outdoor activity, but... Is it a good outdoor activity? Did yeah. I Did I mess it up? No. Oh, daddy. It's Man. okay. But I think I will get in time to do some outdoor activity because... We have, they have like 30 more minutes. Okay, well, I don't want to mess up your actor activities. Let's get right to the money quiz. Let's do the money quiz before the review. Sound okay. good? All right, cue that cheesy game show music, please. Zoe, let me explain the rules once again, especially for the people who have not heard this money quiz before. I'm going to give you three questions, and for every question you get right, I'm going to give you a dollar right out of that glove compartment. What do you think? Good. Or I'll transfer it to your ally account. What do you ally. Think? Ally, okay. Okay, well, anyway. All right, drum roll, please. Question number one. When you're ready to buy a new toy, Zoe... What is an important thing you need to do before making the purchase on your debit card? Well, first of all, you need to have enough money. That's that's the big deal. And So how do you, you know need, if you have enough money? You need to check the price. Okay. Check the price of the toy, and then you check what? And then you check your ally account. Oh. How much money you have. And then you have to check if, there, if you have to pay for shipping, mm-hmm. if you order something online. Or if you just buy something, you have to see how much tax there is. Those are smart things to do. Congratulations. A correct answer for number one. That's $1 for you, which I'll take symbolically out of this glove compartment and hand it to you. Yay! Yay! All right, question number two. You've had a cell phone for the past year or two, and recently we had it activated with our sponsor, Tello, so you could make some calls and get texts and use the phone when you don't have Wi-Fi at home. So my question to you about your cell phone is, why do I not want you to be on your cell phone too much? (laughs) Well, first of all, I'm not on it too much. I'm just very tired, and I like to go home and relax. Second of all, it's not good for me to stare at a screen the entire time, but I did change up a little bit. Well, every time it runs out of batteries, I plug it until it's 100%, and then I play with my fidgets until it's 100%. Okay, so you take a little break while it's charging. How many hours do you think you should be on it a day? What do you think? Five or four. Five or four? (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, let's count. So So I get home. But on the weekend, weekends a little different. Weekends gonna be different. Mm-hmm. But when I come home from camp is like four, four hours. So because I have to do my chore, right? So four, five, oh. six, seven, 
Four hours. Four hours. Okay. That makes sense. And you got to eat some dinner with your mom and dad around mm-hmm. sometime around there if we make dinner. Like yeah. last night, we didn't make dinner, right? Yeah. And I had to get up at like 10. And because the Zuni was laying on me, it was so cute. Yeah. Like, and what did you have for dinner I, last night? <laughs> I had um, a bagel. Pizza crust. Pizza crust and a bagel. <laughs> a, a bagel. <laughs> Two bagels, actually, and a uh, croissant with cheese in it. Oh, okay. So, Daddy does not get the parenting award for dinner last night, but that is a correct answer for you on your cell phone I usage. Mommy does. Oh, my, mommy gets the parenting award. <laughs> she was down there, and she's okay. like, "Hey, baby, do you want any food?" And I'm like, "Yes, please." And Daddy was watching a Netflix show, I think. So, no, I, I lose the parenting you award. Were, you were reading with Calvin way more than you read. Before. Oh, I read my son a story. Well, that's a good thing. Okay. All right. Question number three. By the way, you got that answer right. Here's a dollar. And right out of that, I got to crunch the money right there in front of the microphone. Question number three. We went to see Black Widow together. Yes. Do you remember that? Yep. And so that was for Daddy Daughter Chime. And I spent around $30 for tickets, popcorn, and parking. Now, we could have ordered the movie on Disney Plus for about $30. Which one do you think has a better value? So going to the movie and buying the tickets and the popcorn and parking or ordering it on Disney Plus? What do you think? I think ordering it on Disney Plus because we can make our own popcorn Mm -hmm. because we have a popcorn making machine and you make really good popcorn. Oh, thank you. And we can just park in our garage for free. Yeah, so you and, could, But what well, about, like, going to the movie? It's kind of, like, yeah. fun and it's a good experience. What do you think? But we got a new TV and it's much bigger, so I think it's good. It's interesting. And at the movie theaters, when you want to grab something but you don't have it, like a blanket or something, you can't grab it because... And if you want to pause the movie to get something, you can't. That's such a good point. That is such a good point. I agree with you. You know, I think there's something crazy that happened during the pandemic. People realized that, hey, I could just watch my movies at home mm-hmm. and they don't have any theaters. So it's kind of bummer for the theaters. But I agree with you. Get a big TV if you can. Don't put it on a credit card. Sorry, theaters. Sorry, theaters, right? Poke some popcorn at home. Anyway, I like that answer. That's another dollar for you. Question number three, Zoe. And it's all, it was kind of a Marvel quiz because I incorporated Marvel I into like it, right? So you get $3. I've got $3 physically in your hands right now, but I can transfer that to your ally account. Okay, now the money goes back in the drawer. Okay, there we go. Okay, cool. All right, well, let's get to the review so you can go back and do that fun activity at camp, okay? Okay. All right, so... So you're going to ask, I think it's Siri here, about the question. So we got three reviews. Ready? Uh-huh. Hey, Siri. Pick a number between one and three. It's two. All right, two. Our Yay. second review comes in from Stuffy Butt. Wait, what? <laughs> it, really, it really says Stuffy Butt. Stuffy Butt says, great show. And I'm going to let Zoe read the review from Stuffy Butt. Let's see how many times you can say Stuffy Butt. I like this Stuffy Butt. My husband and I stumbled upon Andy's site while looking up information on paying off our mortgage early. Shortly after, we hit the road for our yearly Florida trip 16 hours. Oh, my. While driving, we started listening to his podcast. We absolutely loved it. We are so inspired and totally excited to begin our journey to our mortgage-free living. Thank you, Andy. Awesome. Thank you, Zoe, for reading that awesome review. And thank you, StuffyBot. That's what I'm going to call you when I get mad at you. You. Daddy, you're Stuffy Butt. You're going to call me Stuffy Butt. Okay. Yes, well, Stuffy Butt, you. I don't have your email, so if you could please email me with a screenshot of this review, I would appreciate it. That way we can send you 
your book, one of these books that we read. Yay! And that would be awesome. And your name is awesome. I would. I, you also have to tell us why your name is Stuffy Butt on mm-hmm. Apple Podcasts, because that's pretty funny. And anyway, we're going to be doing this again next month, my friends. Same book, same Zoe. So please leave us a review in Apple Podcasts and take a screenshot of your review and email me at andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com or post your Apple Podcast review on social media and tag your good buddy Andy at Andy Hill MKM. That would be awesome. And Zoe, thank you so much for doing this and allowing me to steal you from camp for a little Yay. bit. I think your camp counselors were like, what is this all about? You told them about the yeah, podcast? I, yeah, sort of. That's cool. Awesome. Well, you can tell them we had some fun and you got $3. Yay. Sound good? I love yeah. you. I love you, Stuffy Butt. Now let me camp! <laughs> okay, bye, everybody. Stuffy Butt! As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. A big thanks to Dan Tabbitt for editing our show today and Alec Collins and Dan Hines for helping us out on YouTube. We have now over 3,300 subscribers there. Please go there. Hit the red subscribe button. That is youtube.com slash marriage, kids, and money. I'm having a lot of fun there. If you want to see, you know, a video of this wacky guy that you're listening to right now and his wife on Fridays for bread and wine. And we do a live on Fridays on YouTube there. Anyway, I digress. In August, my friends, we've got an incredible lineup of guests and family empowering topics. Next week, August 9th, we've got Danielle Flores, the side hustle queen. She's going to share the power of the side hustle when we're looking to hit our financial goals. And the Monday after that, on August 16th, I'm going to answer another listener question about how and when to pay off your mortgage. And we'll also hear from Mike Kenny our friend from Ontario, on how he became a millionaire in his early 30s. And then the Monday after that, we're hearing from Jeremy Schneider from the Personal Finance Club. He is going to share how we can all become millionaires with the simplicity of index funds. And every Friday, you're going to hear more bread and wine from Nicole and I, as I mentioned earlier, we go live on Fridays around six. I would love to tell you exactly at six, but you know, with life and kids and work and everything like that, we're we're in the six-ish range, Eastern Standard Time. So if you want to show up live on YouTube, that's fun. Again, youtube.com slash marriage, kids, and money. This is a candid chat between Nicole and I about relationships, money, parenthood, and sometimes we even invite some guests. So we're having a lot of fun. Please join us. Or if you are just an avid podcast listener, just keep listening on this channel. We've got to show up probably Friday night, usually Friday nights it goes live. So if you're a a weekend listener, you can enjoy listening to bread and wine on the weekends as well. So thank you for your support. We've gotten a lot of great feedback on the show. Everyone, I hope everybody's having an incredible summer. And just to let you know, our family is having a great one too. And uh, a lot of that is because of your support. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, Zoe, I just read this article about Scarlett Johansson suing Disney because they broke her the contract of placing the Black Widow movie on Disney Plus while the movie was in theaters. So I thought we would talk about that because we just talked about it in our, our conversation when we were at camp. What do you think about that? I feel bad for her because she committed a lot and then it doesn't pay off. Yeah, I mean, she had a contract with them and then they sort of, sounds like they broke their contract, right? That's not They disobeyed cool. her. They disobeyed her. And do you want to be an enemy of Black Widow? No. No? What happens to enemies of Black Widow? I want to be an enemy of DC. Does she win? Yep. Oh, 
Do you think she's going to win this lawsuit? Yep. Well, good luck, ScarJo. We're we're shooting for you. Yeah. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Gail Sheehy. If we don't change, we don't grow. If we don't grow, we aren't really living. Change isn't something to be afraid of. It's something to embrace, my friends. Carpe diem. 